Hey, you guys know what time it is? What time is it? What is <laughs> I'm like, Jill's like freaking out right now. <laughs> 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 I'm, I can't do it now. It's going to be like, it's summertime. Let the summer of fun. <laughs> it's the summer of fun. Well, they commence. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Table, a podcast about a team of folks who love publishing and playing board games, with topics ranging from capstone games news and industry insights to games we're playing and fun we're having. This is episode four, recorded on June 21st, and the capstone team has finally met in person. Hey everybody, it's Jillian. Hey folks, Tim here. I am Eric. Player mic is muted. No, it's not. Just <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Clay. I run Capstone. We have a fun episode planned today. First, we will go over what we've been up to for the last few weeks. Then we will head into the Capstone corner for the company news of the day. Spoilers, the shipping situation is still a nightmare. I mean, have you even heard? Eric is joining us again for this episode as we have a discussion about gateway games and what we all think is a successful formula to an introductory game to the board gaming industry. Then we'll close this episode out with some questions from our Discord server. Another spoiler, will we have the great debate about pineapples on pizza? So with all that said, join Tim and me as we take this discussion beyond the table. All right, Eric feels funny saying this. It's great to have you back on. I mean, I get to talk to you every day, so this isn't anything new to me. <laughs> Regardless, it's fun having you back. So why don't you start us off on our board gaming weekend from a couple of weekends ago? Okay, well, I mean, first and really maybe only notable thing that happened was that we got to play Nemesis <laughs> twice. Everything else... Just Everything else out, just kind of happened. I don't know. <laughs> there there yeah, were people. Cares? Not worth mentioning. <laughs> there were people. There was food, and then we played Nemesis. We drank some Topo Chicos and we played a bunch of yeah. Nemesis. I was saying that I had such a good time not winning the first time that I decided it would be fun to lose again the next day. <laughs> All right. Well, we probably should tell people a little bit about Nemesis. You know, in case you've been. Under a Rock for the past couple of years. This is Awakened Realms title from 2018. Uh, sci-fi survival horror thriller. It's basically Alien the board game. At least that's how I sold it. Going into the weekend, that seemed to uh, get, get some people interested. From a mechanic standpoint or overall gameplay, it's a semi-co-op with each player having to select one of two objectives that are drawn at setup. Into last year, over Christmas break, I purchased a second-hand all-in pledge from the original Kickstarter and um, I've only played up to this point with the intruders so far, but figured it'd be uh, it'd be fun to get some of the capstone folks involved in a game that's you know a little bit out of our normal genres. No economics here, no money, no stocks, no shares. I know Clay's looking forward to uh, to taking a look at something <laughs> where the where the aliens and intruders start poking at you. Alien. <laughs> I just want to say, like, if anybody's listening to this, like Ted or Clef. 
back in like 2019, we were at conventions playing GMT and 18XX. They're like, what are they doing now? <laughs> like, I just want to know. <laughs> it's, it's just funny. No, I hear you. It's definitely a hard left turn from where we were uh, just a couple of years ago. But yeah, no, similar to what Jill and Eric were talking about. I just simply adore the story that the game tells. It's a, a feeling of constantly needing to do more than you actually can, which isn't too... I mean, there are a lot of games that do that, but this one does it quite well. There's the the overall tension of the alien attacks or the intruder attacks. And then the uh, the, the game events are... It, they can be swingy. And we found that in our first play. Who remembers how our uh, how our first journey ended? Jillian or Eric, do you guys remember that? They almost ended the same way. Yeah, you're right. They, yeah. they almost did. You're right. Yeah, so we just flipped a card, stuff broke, and then the, I guess narratively the ship broke. Yeah, basically. <laughs> just so we just like half. flipped. We had we didn't fix any of the rooms we came across because we didn't need them. And then we flipped a card that said now more of your rooms are broken and we reached the limit. And so because we didn't fix any, we had suffered. Well, I what I heard was <laughs> somebody, Jill or Eric got hurt real bad i don't know if they died or something are they like about to die and tim's like well this is bad i'm gonna leave and he just leaves (laughs) that's what i heard and it made me laugh so hard because he was the mechanic so he put a door up in between us and him, because he was in the, we were in the evacuation pod or something, no, or he was, I was. and yeah. he was like, well, well you guys, yeah, <laughs> and you're like, you're not getting to me, you're going to bring an alien and die, and, and I was like, no. Imagine you're watching the Aliens movie, and Ripley is stealing an egg, <laughs> and I don't know, one of the other characters comes in, it. they're making a heroic final last stand, and then someone else is just like, ah, yeah, never mind, closes the door and walks away. It's that character that you end up not liking that has to do something yeah. like that. Clay, they, they were obvious dead ducks. There was no way they were making out of out of that. So that it was one of those things. I was swinging around and went around the whole ship to meet up with them. And then all of a sudden they started making all kinds of noise. And then uh, uh, the queen shows up, a breeder shows up right next to him, which is the second most powerful of the, uh, of the intruders. And then they had like five adults to walk through to get back to where they needed to uh, go to sleep. And I was like, there's no way there's no way they're making it. I just see you standing in the doorway and you're like, well, there's a lot of bad things going on in there. They might be able to win, but nah. Nah, close. Close close this door. (laughs) That's exactly exactly how that went. And then then we opened it and I tried to run around. (laughs) Oh, and he came back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe I should go We made it out. Guilty conscience, man. We made it out. We were heroes. Just, Just... supreme heroes and then he's like oh oh yeah no i meant to help so i just thought he's like yeah you you guys are good right but then eric ended up dying right after it was a total (laughs) hey guys (laughs) back oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to close that door i didn't know you were in there you got band-aids you guys need so (laughs) (laughs) i got band-aids so clay that was the situation what i had the objective card that i had it was i had one of two options either the ship made it back to earth 
safely, which was there was no way I was going to be able to do that without their help. And they're about to die. Or the other thing was, uh, you know, get off the ship by myself in a, in a pod. So, <laughs> so I kind of stood there and, and waited. a pod sitting there. And- exactly. So I waited to see if they were going to make it. And when it looked like they could, I, I decided to help. Yeah. But yeah, it looked bad there for this a This sounds more fun. Yeah. Like Eric and Jill were t- just talking about it. And man, it reminds me of Dead of Winter, but a little bit more of the story element to it, which, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in it. A little bit. It's one of those things. Back um, when Dead of Winter was, was a pretty hot item, you know, I played that a couple of times and just didn't get into it the same as this. So I'm, and honestly, it's one of those things I'm not positive I can totally explain why other than um again there's there's so many of these small things that that kind of add up it feels like there's a little bit more tension i gotta be honest i, I like the minis i like uh, minis running around on inside of that ship and honestly i mean i'm i'm thinking back to like space hulk back in the what late 80s early 90s i think that Whoa. was i mean that was um you know yeah, it was like five one. yeah <laughs> i was in high school and I remember us, that was a that was a game that we played a handful of times, not a ton, but yeah, I mean it kind of harkens back to that. So for me, it's right now it's probably the uh, the hottest game for for me. That's one I will not turn down at all right now. And they weren't short plays. Oh really? No. Like how long? I think it was it was a little over three hours. Yeah, yeah. the first one wasn't that long, and then the second one was and a half you said or like four hours and 15 minutes ish yeah i mean it was like double the amount we took like double the amount of turns because we just made it until like we were two turns or rounds or whatever whichever one of those (laughs) they used to describe the total of actions but we were two rounds away from the game just ending Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean that's what that's why i like this game so much is that there's this constant feeling of tension and like ebbs rises and falls just like like literally a movie like the tension breaks when you like clear a room and you're like okay cool i can move in this room and i'll be fine and then like the absolute panic when like five adult aliens show up and you're like drawing a token praying to god that like you don't draw the one other adult (laughs) token and then you do and you're like oh god i'm not gonna make it on bed and then you do find a way out and you're like, okay, this is sick, but I don't have time to like be happy about it because I'm still dying again. I can't tell if we just had really bad luck or if the game is just always that hard. <laughs> we were not rolling well. We were drawing the wrong things, pulling the wrong event cards. Like everything was just not working in our favor. We already woke up to a dead body, which you do in every game, and it only went exponentially downhill. Right after that. <laughs> I mean, it's good, though. Like, that's how that's how the you would feel if you were in this situation. I think that's really the best part of the game. You really feel like you're in the movie and like dealing with similar situations. It's very, very tense. Yeah, it was narratively really good. I, I really liked that aspect where you would pull an event card or uh, pull out like an adult or like do a bad role. And it would just be so, it would, it was so easy to just like think about it narratively. Like, Oh, I tripped and fell or something. Cause I was holding an intruder egg and I made extra noise and it just all makes sense. And I like that a lot about nemesis. 
I feel like there's a project in there of like literally recording everything that happens in your game and then just like making a webcomic of literally the events that happen. I feel like it would do that so well. You could yeah. literally just use it as a story gen a comic generator even. Well, that's kind of like the event adventure zone, isn't it? I mean, yeah, they played Dungeons and Dragons and then they made a comic out of the their actions. Mhm. No, I agree. That's another part of the game that that draws me to it as well. It's hard for me to play that game and not have what just feels like a cinematic experience. But yeah, no, good. I'm glad you guys liked it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Got to justify spending like five hundred and seventy nine dollars <laughs> available right now. The all in Nemesis Why? aftermath. Why? Because it's so good. It doesn't matter. Okay, you can't pay. <laughs> Mr. Witcher all in the river. <laughs> you can't say anything. I know. I almost backed out of that. I was like, this is getting ridiculous, stupid. But I like the Witcher. The Witcher's badass. And when I saw that one pop up, I thought for sure if there was one that you might get into, that would be it, Clay. I only did it because I played The Witcher 3, like, done so much in that game, and it's just sticks with me it's like one of my favorite games and i was like okay it's it's the board game version let's let's jump into it but it's yeah. 350 bucks and i'm like all right let's just do it <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna feel anxious about this purchase but i'm gonna do it you know that's yeah. <laughs> any big purchase of a board game and that way i'm like uh gotta whatever. stay positive <laughs> gotta stay positive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> I'll just forget about it until it shows up on my doorstep and be like, oh, yeah, yeah. happy birthday or something. Cool. Let me just ask one question about Nemesis. Is the downtime between turns long or is its flow pretty good where you're constantly involved? Uh, it depends on who you're playing with. Because sometimes yeah. you can get stuck in analysis paralysis, I think, with what cards you specifically want to play. But I think with four hours and we went through like 13 turns 13 rounds yeah. or something yeah. yeah and that's that's a lot and we have events afterwards and everything and like after everyone's done doing their turns and passing like we're all kind of like working together during the event phase and intruder phase and all that stuff so mm. it's highly interactive in that way because yeah. i know you i know you like really interactive games so yeah i get you i'm interested yeah, Clay, it's 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 one of those games again, even mm -hmm. when it's not your turn, you're still pulled into the story. You're still pulled into what people are doing and why, you know, trying to figure out why they're doing it. Everyone has hidden objectives and you have an idea because I mean if eventually when you end up learning all the objectives that can be uh you know, can be drawn, then you might be able to pick it up. But right now everything's pretty much new to us, so we don't really know what to expect. So it's a lot of working working together until it's not. And then it's a matter of running for the <laughs> running for the gotcha. skate pot as fast as you can <laughs> when mm -hmm. it goes sideways. See you guys. I'm out of here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it goes sideways really fast too. <laughs> All right. And even that I barely made out. I Yeah. I just want to say that you yeah. had your two contamination cards and like it, even if one of them was infected, you're done and it sucks. Cause you're like, dang it. I just worked so hard and I'm contaminated. But weirdly enough, out of the like 
15 or something contamination cards in between all of us because I had seven. Eric had like five or something. And I think Tim had two. So I guess 14. And so none of them were infected. So we were lucky. It, like if we all lived, we would have not been contaminated. And it, it would have been cool to make it out and have bites all over me, but not be <laughs> infected in any way. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, but maybe we can make an aliens stocks game or betting <laughs> game. <laughs> no, it, the, it's the, the theme doesn't Italian. like. I like the story <laughs> element absolutely, but why fi- over five hundred dollars? That's just re- I don't like that business model. I'm sorry. That's just that just does not That's make fair. sense. That's also off of what? What's that? That group called the Game Stewards? Yeah, that's where they they buy the Kickstarters and then add 200 bucks because i think the all-in was probably like i can't remember i think it was like 300 it may even been less than that i think this was the aftermath all-in so it included mm-hmm. all of both rounds of their kickstarters oh it's the heavy duty so, one after, aftermath is like their second standalone that's uh lo- it might still be yeah one. it's lockdown so the the first one was just nemesis and now the second lockdown, one is sorry. nemesis lockdown but yeah, Aftermath is one of the expansions in there. Now, I was just looking at it the other day. There's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. Mm. Other than that that game, that title, what other games did you guys like? Because we got in a couple other ones. Okay, so let's just rapid fire. What games did we play? We had... Huey. Huey. The King is Dead. King's Dead. Tula Re-Nature. Bubble. Yeah, Renature and Tula Bubble, I think. While we were playing Nemesis, the other group was playing Terra Mystica. And we played that Llamas card game or something, too, which was oh, yeah. kind of like Uno, but with Llamas-ish, sort of. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one to explain, <laughs> like, what it's like. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. That's the only way I can describe it. <laughs> I like it. Um, so out of those, I know we've played Renature before, but that feels like a good game. I always love Renature. It's really fun. The King is Dead I really enjoyed, actually. Yeah, I want to hear about that because I've heard so many great things about it. and It's like so simple. Everyone can do the same things. You have like, what, eight cards? Yes. And those are the only actions you can take. Everyone has the same eight cards. And then it's just like randomized which of the three factions you already have a stake in. So it's like really tight strategically. You're all working with kind of the same options, but it just felt really good, especially because it was so short or it felt short. Yeah, no, it was. I just want to say that Tim finally lost. (laughs) I beat Tim. (laughs) What? Yeah, it came down. I missed this. (laughs) (laughs) And what was that? I I can't remember what it was. Did (laughs) did that one come down to a tiebreaker or was that where you just had one more? You had one more cube in the. I, yeah, that's what that's what I was thinking. I think yeah, you had one like, Welsh. I think yep. I had, yeah. For like the last round or maybe two rounds, the only options we could take would have always given the tiebreaker to someone else. So then it just ended with like Jillian had the last turn because of how we positioned ourselves earlier mm-hmm. and got the last cube. The Welsh, the Welsh one. <laughs> Let me just real quick. Sorry to interrupt on this, but. You, like Eric, you said you have eight actions. Everybody has the same amount, but you're going to, or same type. It's a hand of cards. You just choose one on your turn, put it face down. Everybody flips up and you do it. No, you just play it. Uh, and then you go to the next person. 
But then that's then it. The game. game's over after your eight cards. Yep. And yeah, and oh, I like mm-hmm. that system. Well, what that what is it is fun. is there's there's eight regions. Yeah, I think you would really like this game. Yeah, I th- I think so. There are eight regions. Yeah, that looking are going at a map. To, they'll be resolved one at a time, and all play is optional. So it has that feeling of almost like an auction. You don't have to play. You can pass. And the round just keeps going until everyone is passed. So you can, you know, uh, different, different players can play mm. more cards in certain regions if they, you know, really want to win or if they win that region or set up for a region that's, uh, that's coming up. And I think that's what we ran into is I think all of us had thought we had, we had set up very well. And I think, boy, it was like the, maybe even the sixth or seventh region and all of us had spent all of the cards all of our cards for the most part i think all of us had one that wasn't amazing but um and i think we all had the same card left but uh but at that point it was a little bit of okay you you set yourself up to uh to be in the running or you're going to be uh you know you're going to find yourself on the outside and that that was pretty much what eric and i were doing uh those last couple rounds that was good there's another good one. I really liked QE too. That was fun. Justin won both times by like a lot, I feel like. And he was annoying, but it was really fun. <laughs> I'm just so terrible at bidding games. I do not understand how to bid. Yeah. Or but and it's hard like being the last person to see what people are bidding too. And so you're like, oh, this is what people have been bidding this whole time. I'm so behind. And <laughs> I don't know. But it was a really enjoyable game. I really enjoyed it a lot. QE's fun, man. It's you're just like I always start off so low and find out somebody's like in the thousands already. I'm like, what the crap, man? And it just yep. keeps escalating from there. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened to Eric, I think, both times. <laughs> Jillian and Justin just go in together at the beginning, just bid everything, bid and win everything for the first like five rounds. And then you're like, okay, well now I have to spend so much. And then they just chill for the rest of the game. Yeah. It's no, impossible. I wasn't in the first one. I couldn't win anything. So it got, it came to the, like the last two rounds. I didn't have anything. So I'm like, I need something, <clears throat> but yeah, I definitely <sighs> did end up overspending. So yeah. I, at the end of the game, Clay, you'll love this. I had the least number of points <laughs> and I had spent the most money. So it's the exact opposite of how you're supposed to play the game. It was amazing. Did you guys play the old school wooden box version or the new one with the dry erase boards? Yeah, just the new one. Dry erase. Yep. But the wooden box sounds interesting. How does that work? It's the same. There's an entry in 2017. Just looking at it right now. Oh, I'll go look at it. Yeah, it still has like the dry erase. Yeah, that was the original. It's all Um, wood. Okay. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I like QE. That's fun. I'd I'd love to bring that out with the family. See how that would go down. Hunter and Mason. Oh, bidding. N- no, not those guys. <laughs> I'm talking like. <laughs> not no, this will be like a. I don't know, twelve and up age range. I think just to see what would happen. Gotta start your <laughs> your kids young. You get don't get shocked by gotta, Mason. Gotta teach them quantitative easing and the effects of such. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, you'd be like, Hunter, why are you bidding hot fire? <laughs> hot fire. <laughs> yeah. So now, so now, what did you guys think of Tulip Bubble? I think that was the other title we ended up getting in at the end of the night. I liked it. That's thrilling, Eric. 
Well, the arch is great. Just the whole concept of like the boom and the bust is good. We didn't get to the bust because Tim just won. And it was kind of surprising. But like, yeah. It was cool to be making decisions. Whereas, like, as a person in real life, I'm like, I would never, ever trade on margins. That's terrifying. <laughs> no way. But, like, then I'm here and I'm like, wait a minute. If I want to play this game, I need cash to be able to buy something later. So I better just, I guess, take this on loan or I won't be able to buy any cards next round. And then what am I going to do? So I was like, okay, that's cool, I guess. <laughs> And, and it's one of those things that's it it's cool until it's not. This was a game yeah. play that it, it, I, a couple of things I made the right call, but a few of them were just, they were luck. It was lucky card flips and how the, um, the, the three different the colors, went. how they moved down the market. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I just happened to buy things that ended up double, triple jumping <clears throat> and then was able to turn around and sell them. Uh, to a collector or something like that. I think I did that two or three times. And yeah, it was just a right place, right place, right time thing. Our game felt really, it felt really like streaky. Yes. Like we'd flip five red cards and then five yellow and then five white. And I was like, okay, I can see how it would have been an entirely different game if we didn't happen to do that. Definitely just made yeah, every like, game's totally different. Yeah. Things are just shooting upwards mm-hmm. like crazy. Yeah. I was on the opposite end of the spectrum from Tim where I bought only white at the beginning because I was like, it's going to go up because there's the least amount of white. But then and everyone ended up buying red and then red shot up and then white didn't ever go up in the market until like five rounds in. Ooh. And so, yeah, I was stuck. And so I was just trying to like make people bid higher so I can get whatever the difference was and still like i can't spend money on anything so i just was sitting for a couple of rounds not selling anything and you guys were like oh i'm filling this contract i'm filling this one like i'll get the most expensive guy and i think i only had like 54 dollars in the end and you freaking bought the queen of night or whatever that flower is called. queen of the night <laughs> yeah that one's that's pretty cool yeah it was frustrating and I was tired and I had a headache and I was like, all right, I hate this game, <laughs> but no, it was a good game and the <laughs> art is pretty and stuff. So I, I would like to play it again. So those guys, Mo Ideas out of Taiwan, I think they're out of Taiwan. I'm pretty sure. I believe so. Yeah. Yep. They have their three big games are Tula Bubble, Symphony Number no. 9, and Mini Rails. And... It's fun to play those because they're so different than your traditional types of games that we're playing. And it's just a different riff on this, on the whole system. And I really like out of the, out of the, those three, I really, if I had to pick one, I think I'd pick symphony number nine, but tulip bubbles, solid game. Very good game. Yeah. That's, I have that one too. I haven't been able to play it. That's something, uh, if we get a chance, it'd be good. It's to, a double uh, bidding game. The There's two different types of bidding. Okay. Yeah, it's really good though. It's good because it's it's all about getting. I forget it's been a while, but like I just remember you can force these like classical musicians like Beethoven to to play so much, you end up killing them and they're out of the game. Oh jeez! But sometimes that's good <laughs> because each of the musicians have have special benefits, and if you have won their favor, one of those musicians 
you get a bunch of points for every musician that that's dead at the end of the game. It's, it's just a, it's just an interesting game. This sounds way morbid, way more morbid than what it is. I just remember that was like a neat thing that happens as their life goes. It was just neat how you could work the musicians <laughs> and how they got it. This is, totally, this is totally what I want to hear from my boss. Yeah. Wait till these containers come in. You just work just, them to death. These containers. <laughs> Oh no, we have to carry the containers from the yard over to the warehouse ourselves. He's just going to cash out on some life insurance bonus points. Yeah, if Eric and I mysteriously die within the next year or so, you know where to look. Symphony number nine. It's all good. (laughs) Symphony number nine. And now, what about mini rails? And that's, I mean, that's a pretty streamlined, almost feels like a cube rails game. That's yeah, super cube rails, man. I like it. So, I mean, and on that, what is it? You So in a round, every player takes two actions and one of them has to be buy a share and the other one is lay track. I mean, that's it. And I, th- I think you do it, what, five or six times. Yeah. And that, uh, that ends up being it. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty short streamlined thing. That's good. But it's, it's got the pull of like, cause the turn order track is one long track and you have two pawns and you're going to, I forget how they get placed on there. Am I, that, am I speaking that right, Tim? It's been a while. No, 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 That's you're exactly right. When you take your action, I think you take the place of the person that, uh, that was previously in that spot. You're right. Yeah. So you're, you're like setting up turn order for the next round based on the action that you take and when you take it. Yeah. It's, 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 that's probably where the game is. It's probably more there on the turn track than it probably is even on the board where you're laying the laying the track and, and creating routes and stuff. But yeah, it's a good one. It's got some tension. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it does. An- another game that I've been playing last uh, just uh, this past weekend that I wanted to mention to you guys is uh, one that's in a very similar vein, uh, Card Rails. This is a 2021 uh, Make 20 release from a uh, friend of Capstone, Travis Hill. Clay, I was thinking, didn't you post a picture of card rails? Do you have a copy of this one? Yeah, Travis graciously sent me one, and I love it because it's basically this it's bigger, but it's like Reign of Witches where the it's just a deck of cards. With, well, this one has cubes too, but the rules are on two of the cards, and I like that. It's just I don't know, it's kind of cool. I haven't played it yet though. Oh, you haven't? Okay. So, I mean, it's it has a similar feel to mini rails in that, I mean, it's a three to five player. And, and you already hit on this. The component list is 45 cards and 60 cubes in five colors. That's it. That's all it is. Comes in a little uh, little deck box, basically. Yeah. And uh, each of the company has, has 12 cubes. And the players start with nine to 12 cards based on the player count. And then on your turn, you're going to discard a card and take a cube from one of the companies as a share, or you're going to add a card to the map on the table because the uh, the cards basically are, are hexes, which uh, when you're done have a have a flow of just a hex grid out on the table. And then after that, you can lay one or two cubes as track. And what you're trying to do is make connections with those cubes. Um, there's a couple, uh, you know, some juicy spots on the, on the cards, like plus two value. And then also there's little stops of that company's color. And every time you hit one of those, it's going to bump the, bump the share price. 
maximum shares you can have based on doing that is three and then you actually the you end the game when all the players are down to three cards and those last three cards they all have a a a color of one of the companies and that acts as a share so at the end of the game you end up having those six shares and then you just figure out the value of each of the shares based on the number of cubes number one number of cubes removed from that company's original stash of 12 and then you add in the bonuses that you've covered on the card base map and and that's it it's one of those things it's uh they're all very tight very tight condensed duration and also physical package but uh, a lot of good, um, lot of good decision space there. So yeah, kudos to Travis on that one. He and I were were chatting chatting earlier today, and he's got he's got a neat little uh, neat little system there. Yeah, I like just the rules were so simple on that, and like you said, you kind of hit it out of the park there. It's definitely something I want to get to the table for sure. I think he puts a lot of thought into his games because I was talking to him weirdly earlier too. I backed one of his. Uh, recent Kickstarter, the RPG Zine, or Zine or Zine, however it's pronounced, I don't freaking know, um, <laughs> of This World is Not Yours. And I'm really excited about it because it's kind of like along the lines of what we've been talking about, where there's kind of like niche RPG games that we keep finding on Kickstarter. I think he is kind of killing it with everything he's doing, so I'm really excited to get ours. Oh, that's cool. I'd seen that one. That's uh do you have any idea when that one was delivering? Um, I think he says that he's hoping to get them at his place probably in two to three weeks. And then after that he has to do like all the packaging and stuff. So that's gonna take probably a week or so. And then probably I would say like August or September, hopefully, but I don't know. I'm waiting. I have a lot of other games to play too. So like the mending one we talked about the last podcast, yeah. I have not made any headway on. So <laughs> a lot of things to do. That's, and that's what I was wondering. I mean, that's, that's a pretty short order for, uh, for Kickstarters. I mean, if you're going to see that uh, in the next couple months, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Be interested to hear how that, how that ends up going. Yeah. We will see. So clay, we kind of bombarded with all kinds of uh, games from the, from the past couple of weeks. Uh, past couple of weeks did you have any you wanted to chime in on no i think that's great i mean just i wish i could have made it out it sounded like a lot of fun hopefully you guys had some good food too out there i mean columbus is i mean they got so much awesome food out there and yeah we'll make it uh here before the convention start that's the goal yeah cool 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 gotta practice those demos yeah, the, yeah. There's uh, there's that, but I don't know. I just miss being with people and hanging out. You know, just got the dad life going on, which is great. No, don't get me wrong. But yeah, miss playing some games. Nope, totally get it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll start looking out. Uh, what maybe a, a month, a little bit longer, and hopefully we can uh, we can gather again. Nah, that's cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. All right, cool. Well, with that, let's head over to uh, Capstone Corner and see what's new on the president's desk. Do, 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 do. You know, every time, like, I say this literally every single time I think now. It's like I can hear the music in my head as it, like, transitions into this. No, we've got, so, 
I'm sure everybody's heard about the shipping situation out there now. I mean, we've been talking about it since episode one, maybe. I think we have. Yeah, literally, I think the very first episode. We're yeah, like, and done. we're like, maybe it's going to get better the next time. It's probably going to maybe be a little better, but it's interesting to see it out there. I mean, NPR did an article on it today, I saw, and it's just everywhere. I mean, it, every industry seems to be affected for the most part, especially on importing of any type of good. But we put uh, a lot of padding into our release dates, especially at the retail level for all of our summer games. And that's enough padding to survive the delays that we're seeing out there. And fortunately, we've got really good contact with our freight forwarder doing a really good job and uh, just has some solid connections out there to, to keep things moving along as best as they can. And I can't stress enough that once a product is manufactured in China and you book a shipment with a steamship line, that's like giving the car keys to that company. And you're telling them, I, I really want to go here, but it's on their time. You know, They're making all the calls. They might delay the shipping schedule. You have it shipping out July 7th. Well, sorry, now it's going to go out July 17th. And you, you'll get those emails occasionally. And we had that happen a couple of times, um, notably with Pipeline. But this is all coming in within schedule on our release date schedule. So we're in good hands and there shouldn't be any delays that we're seeing on the retail end for, for any of our summer releases. So that's really good. But Jill, why don't you jump in and give everybody up to speed with what's coming in here soon? Yeah, so we have a lot of containers in the U.S. finally. I think we kind of sent out an update via our Discord. I don't think I put it on our Twitter or anything, but Juicy Fruits is officially on the rail. And it is in Cincinnati, but uh, it's going to take a day or two for it to arrive at our warehouse. Um, so this week, the week of June 21st, is when we'll be sending all this out. You'll probably get um, a shipping notification later this week because we want this um, to get out there. We know that you guys have been waiting for it for a while, and we're excited to get it out there anyways. Is this coming out June 1st, this podcast? July, July, 5th. I don't know what July, oh, July 5th, July 5th. Yeah, yeah. everybody's going to have mm -hmm. this plus the next game you're about to talk about. I know you guys are so excited for this next game. Coffee Traders, it's in Missouri. It's on the rails. It's on its <laughs> way to us. Clay talked to Laterza about getting the coffee orders ready. So that's coming in. It's like it's finally on the way. And like I every single time that you guys ask me, I'm like, it's almost here. I'm sorry. Like, I can't. I wish I could change it, but I know you guys want this game so bad, but I can't change it, and I feel so bad, but I'm so excited to say that it's finally freaking on the way from the port, so really excited to get that out, and we'll probably do the same thing where it'll come in the warehouse and we'll bust out shipments, and the nice thing about these two is they're individually packaged, so all we have to do is slap a label on them, and they're individually packaged like really well i think clay said there's like corner guards and everything on it yeah they did so, we did some super premium padding on it yeah yeah so it'll arrive in great condition mm -hmm. so after coffee traders um iberian gauge is in the u.s right clay yes um we should have that depending on how long it takes to get this is the thing so getting a container first of all is very difficult in China, they're all, I mean, there's, there's just no containers available. And this still the situation where you have these old vessels, these old boats 
that are coming out of what they're calling retirement just to carry all the surge of container demand across the ocean. Once it gets to the ports in the United States, especially on the West Coast, it's just slammed with just delays. For example, Juicy Fruits, this came in LA. It arrived. It got off the container, I think May 27th. And it literally sat in their parking lot. It's not a parking lot, but whatever the station zone is to go to transition to a a rail system. It sat there for like two and a half weeks. And here we are finally going to have Juicy Fruits this week, which is almost a month after it arrived in LA. So this is just kind of like the delays that we're seeing out there. Normally, we would have had this the week after May 27th. Yeah, sorry, I just got derailed on that. Um, pun intended. <laughs> but no, Iberian is, uh, we're just checking to see if it can get on, a, as soon as it can get on the rail network to Chicago. Because we're in Cincinnati, if it's coming from the West Coast, the main hub is in Chicago. Yeah, that's the only way to get to Cincinnati. Uh, I was telling Jill that like if we could have it offload in Chicago, but then you'd have to hire a trucker to drive from the rail yard from Chicago all the way to Cincinnati, we would have to unload it within two hours. And that same trucker would have to drive that empty container all the way back up to Chicago to the same exact spot. And yeah, that's like, you want to pay somebody some money, (laughs) open up that pocketbook maybe because that's pretty expensive. But fortunately, Chicago is not too bad. It's nowhere near as bad as LA or Tacoma or any of the uh, Western ports, but they transition it from like the Union Pacific or whatever. And, put it on the CSX line to Cincinnati and then goes to a warehouse where a trucker will deliver it. So yeah, Iberian should be here shortly thereafter. Coffee traders probably in two weeks. I'm hoping Mm -hmm. don't hold me to that, please. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So once Iberian gets here, um, Rorschach is the next game, which Clay mentioned earlier that pipeline was getting delayed. Rorschach and pipeline are in the same container. I believe it was supposed to leave like early June, but it got delayed to the week after and then it finally left. Um, so Rorschach and Pipeline are going through Tacoma um, instead of LA, yeah, right? Yeah, we're choosing. The, yeah. Just want to make sure that LA has been a nightmare. And this, this is the thing. People might wonder, well, it's in the middle of the ocean. Can you change the port that it's going to? No, you can't. As soon as you book the ship mm-hmm. line, like back in when the games are leaving the factory from China, that's set in stone. You cannot change that. And so it's kind of like buying an airline ticket. You can't just be like, well, now I want to leave out of Detroit instead of Columbus or whatever. You just you can't do that. So, yeah, we're going out of Tacoma. It's a lot less backed up than L.A., so we should have it much sooner than if it were to go through L.A. So it's supposed to be in Tacoma on July 1st. And I just want to reiterate because we did announce pipeline emerging markets today that the pipeline that's in this container is the base game. Had a couple of questions about um, when that's going to be available again. So once that arrives in our warehouse, I believe we'll be selling it online. So look out for that once it arrives. Emerging markets, I do want to mention we are finalizing everything. This is the first game that we're actually doing out of the gate with multiple partners, we have three different publishers doing this with us. And it's just a coordination of making sure that each language is represented correctly. All the print files are lined up to their their specifications that they have for their country and everything that, that goes along those guidelines. And so 
we are at the final stage here and we're about to hit the print button, which we will have this by Essen is the plan. Yeah. So we just announced that today. Yay. And Lux Eterna <laughs> um, as well. Yeah. <laughs> and the previous podcast, we mentioned Rift Force and Savannah Parker being announced, I think, like a couple of days after we recorded it. And then Orleans with Orleone has also been announced. So, yeah, we have a lot of things coming in and we're really excited for every single one of them. I'm excited, too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We've been waiting for a long time for Juicy Fruits to come in and Coffee Traders as well. I mean, we even when we did pre-orders, we didn't we we could not predict what was going to happen this year with shipping. I believe we had April. Mm-hmm. Did we have April or May on that for delivery? Yep, we had April at the beginning yeah. because we did this. I think the pre-order date was December second yeah. to January third. We've been I've been fine tuning the shipping pretty pretty darn good, and we just this is unprecedented with the the delays. And I'm going to stop talking about it because it's everywhere. You know, it's so it, it goes without saying at this point, but you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. And I'm, I'm just so excited to finally get the products that we were supposed to have like 90 days ago. So from a business perspective, you got cash flow where you're, you're just in this weird cycle of cash flow where it's just like all these things that you were expected to come in have not showed up yet. And so all of a sudden you're just going to have this big dump of just product coming in boom 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 it's going to be crazy at our warehouse here this week and pretty much going through till december so to cue cue our previous discussion about symphony number nine i think that's gonna (laughs) (laughs) no we'll have a good time we'll have a good time it'll be fun (laughs) yeah I, we know how to drive a forklift now, so we did that without your supervision the other well, day. Well, we need to have some forklift uh, races so. then. That sounds fun. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> forklift <laughs> and pallet jack races. Pallet jacks are great scooters. Yeah. First of all, so, yeah. I've, <laughs> Gotta have some scooter yeah. races. <laughs> we'll do those at the conventions <laughs> down the halls and get dirty looks from people <laughs> for doing that. All right, for the main topic, we're going to look at a juxtaposition of relatively new versus seasoned gamers. And one of the questions that came up during our some of our discussions was, uh, what was the missing link to engaging new gamers? And uh, out of that, we had a little side question that came up, which was, uh, how do you define a gateway game? And with that, I was going to kick it off to uh, Eric. You want to uh, bring us up to, up to speed on kind of what the discussion topic is? Yes. So well, I just wanted to get us started in a way that I think helps facilitate conversation so that we're not, you know, kind of accidentally talking about different things. We need to set up a definition of at least in this discussion, how we're going to be talking about what exactly a gateway game is. So for the purposes of of this discussion, what are we considering a gateway game? What does the word gateway mean? Uh, like in introduction ish, like it can introduce you to other things. Like it shows you you're opening the gates to something new. <laughs> How were you thinking of defining it, Eric? What was your plan there? Just, I just want us to be on the same page. Like, are we saying this is a game 
that are there certain requirements to meet to be a gateway game? Is any is Candyland a gateway game? You know, like okay, is just because you it was the first game you ever played is that a gateway game if you ever played a game again no. or like I gotcha. You know, are there any mm-hmm. parameters we need to define so that we like don't fall down a rabbit hole of something that isn't you know achieving something? No, I gotcha. I gotcha. Now the well, I guess. How I have used and, and Clay jump in here is, you know, it, whenever you have a, a thought on on that specific topic. But from what I have tended to hear or understand when we heard that phrase gateway game, it tended to be one of the early and often the first. What I'll say hobby board game that folks tend to play. So it's like the first, uh, you know, the, the first one that's maybe in the realm that's closer to the titles that you see in the in the hobby gaming uh, publishing and outside a mass market. So very likely to be away from the Milton Bradleys and the Hasbro's, and more into the uh, you know at the time you know it was it was the Z, as as Clay was talking about the you know Z Mans and Mayfairs earlier uh, earlier in our discussion. Now uh, I mean there's. A, a lot of publishers, I would say, carry uh, various types of gateway games. So it's not necessarily um, around a specific publisher. I also wouldn't necessarily think it would, by definition, be a children's game either, but more one that's probably uh, rather light in the uh, rules complexity and also uh, potentially uh, pretty light on the uh, on the depth of play as well. So you... So you're getting, you know, usually a pretty a pretty light and a low complexity game just in order to uh, get people to lean into uh, just what hobby gaming has to offer in general. That's, I guess, my definition of what I would go with. Clay, what do, what do you think on that one? You hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, yeah, Candyland from the lens of gateway term. Yeah, I mean, if you've never played a game before, this is introducing to what I mean, that's kind of not a game, though, but <laughs> Because it's completely random, but <laughs> like, yeah, I get what you're saying. But I think what Tim said is we're used to the roll and the the roll and move, monopoly, payday, life, all that, and the European design culture kind of turns that on its head and, and introduces different ways of playing a game. Gives you more freedom, is what I usually tell people when I'm introducing them to games, and. What are the mechanics, like what, what's a good game that somebody that's played these types of traditional American style games like Monopoly, what would be a good game that would hold their attention for a little bit? Like you said, is not heavy on the rules, is very easy to see point A to point B and, you know, just something just to give them a taste, um, just a little sampling of, of what's out there. And if they want to get their feet wet and jump in. They can just run right through and jump right into the deep end, just like just like we all did. <laughs> I don't know. That's 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 yeah, that's kind of like if you're going to do yeah. a definition term, that that would be the the thought process I would go through. But I'm sure everybody has differences. But yeah, no, 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 no I agree. Uh, I think Jillian and I have like a bit of a point with our friend group to that sort. Absolutely. Of thing. I mean, that's just great. Yeah. So I think Jillian. You well, I was gonna. Gloomhaven. Yeah, I was gonna say that like. It's hard to define a gateway game because it's going to be you personally are going to define gateway games differently than like me or Tim or um, other people like some random person. So it's really hard to define a gateway game by 
terms. So like for me, a ga- gateway game is like designing with empathy, I guess is what I'm going to call it. It's just something that we learned in our first year at design school is designing with empathy was literally the class that we took. And it's just something that you use in UX and UI design and board game at its very core is UX UI design. So I think when games are designed with empathy, you can kind of see it, whether that means like contacting like a cultural consultant or testing your game with people who haven't picked up a modern board game before. So I don't know how to like really define that specifically, but there's just games out there where you can feel that they took a lot of time to get people into this hobby. But then there's also other games that um, I think were just like straight up Euro games like Catan or Carcassonne or like Machi Koro, where those are a lot of, I feel like that's like, those are the most gateway games out there like everyone's like oh I got into the hobby through Catan or something so but for our friend group to kind of like bring it back to what Eric was saying is kind of different they got into modern board gaming through Gloomhaven and I don't think by any definition is Gloomhaven technically a gateway (laughs) game like I don't think anyone would define Gloomhaven as like hey, I'm going to bring this over to my friends to introduce them to the world of modern board gaming and the industry and all that. It really just depends on, like, who you're playing with. You have to, like, kind of read what they're into. And our friends are, they played World of Warcraft and were really into role-playing video games and, like, Zelda and all that stuff. So we thought it would be good to play Gloomhaven with them and they ended up loving it, and they've since played Betrayal at House on the Hill, the Iron Rail series, Watergate, Curious Cargo, all of those games. They've mainly played <laughs> Iron Rail series, Watergate, and Curious Cargo because I had them, but they've really enjoyed it, and like one of our friends even has like their own copies now. So it really, for me, it depends on like who you're talking to, who you're playing with, how that is going to translate into like what game you're going to specifically pick for them. I really like that. Sorry, I kind of no. Like- <laughs> I I mean, yeah, you got a good point because like here I am thinking about like I don't know, maybe I'm just in a different mindset where I'm thinking more broader audience. But yeah, you're really kind of drilling down to the actual person, getting to know them a little bit. What's their interest? You know, what do, what do they like? You know, these people liked uh, RPGs. You're not going to show them like, I mean, that's cool that they're playing the Iron Rails, but like a war game or something, you're not going to break out like Twilight Struggle. That's not really a gateway game, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying is like, you're picking the game that yeah. suits them and it doesn't have to be an easygoing game like Catan or Carcassonne. It could be just so long as they're there, they have an interest or I don't know, Tim, you, you brought up like agency or whatever sometimes in your discussions and I think that goes hand in hand with that. I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. No, that's actually uh, one of the comments I was going to make just a bit ago that usually what I've tended to see in gateway games or folks first, um, you know, first non-mass market game is exactly that. It's, it's, It's a level of agency that you previously just didn't have. 
So, I, you know, just two of them we were talking about. Candyland, I mean, that, you know, I'll put game in air quotes here, but, the, you know, that game is set up based on how the deck of cards is shuffled. And then it's just an activity of flipping cards. And the game in and of itself is more about, I mean, the, the purpose of that, of that game is teaching, teaching children how to play with others, wait your turn, take your turn, being a good sport being able to lose, you know, there's all kinds of lessons to be learned in that, but it's definitely not, not necessarily the same purpose and lessons that you're, that you're getting with a, uh, a gateway game, whether it be, well, and again, however we define it, but whether it be a, a Catan or a, you know, a ticket to ride seven wonders type level game where you're just thrust into a, a game or an arena of decisions and the freedom of decisions, you know, uh, playing off of what you just said, Clay, that uh, you just don't have in, uh, in in the monopolies where you roll a die and you move and then you buy whatever you land on if you can, because that's basically, you know, what you do to win. So, yeah, no, t- totally agree. That, that level of agency is really, I think that it, it's kind of the uh, the factor or the characteristic that that breaks apart from a uh, mass market into a gateway hobby game. But no, I also appreciate the definition of what Jillian was just having. The idea that a a gateway game can be uh, conditional based on every person and folks that are heavy into RPGs. Well, having a RPG adjacent board game to them would be a pretty decent gateway game. I mean, that's, you know, heading down a dungeon crawly type situation would be, you know, pretty, pretty close to uh, what they're already used to playing. So not not too big of a stretch, but I'll tell you what I'm probably not going to throw that down in front of my parents, and uh, <laughs> and hope that they're just going to be able to play Gloom, Gloomhaven because yeah. that's just not nearly where their uh, where their interests lie. But things like Ticket to Ride and things like Seven Wonders mm-hmm. those t- those tend to be able to go over uh, pretty decently. Yeah, I had a couple other ones. Uh, just one. Have you guys played Just One? All right, listen to everyone. Yeah, jump up it's, and down. It's a good. It sounds familiar. <laughs> Just one's good. Again, it's it's a gateway party ish game, but you know it's a it's another word game. Uh, code names. That's another one you tend to hear. You know, folks folks talk about. So yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of them out there that kind of fit that definition. But again, I'm not stuck on that definition either. I think like what. I'm trying to say is like defining a gateway game and like mixing other games is kind of silly to me as a new person to the hobby. I have biases probably because of that. But for me, like really literally any game could be a gateway game and there's like technicalities and all that stuff, of course, but it really just boils down to like I said before, who you're playing with. So I feel like literally all these games that you have are perfect for just like, I guess, like common interests for people like Modern Art, Seven Wonders, Ride the Rails. Like, I feel like those would be so easy to just pull out in front of anybody. And that probably is what makes Classified them as gateway. Yeah. <laughs> know how to like phrase this more. Yeah, it's to, more it's gateway. To, like, statistically proven, <laughs> and, like, yeah, if you had 200 people in a room or a thousand people in a room and you, and you threw them Seven Wonders, maybe 50% or I don't know, just I'm throwing out ballpark numbers are going to, like, oh, this is really cool. Show me more. But then if you throw like the Gloomhavens or the 
I don't know. Um, what's a big monster game out there? Arkwright. Kingdom Death Arkwright Monster. Arkwright for 1882. <laughs> Arkwright. Uh, Maria. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yep. A Feast for Odin. I mean, maybe that's, I don't know. But like Brass, I don't know. People that have never seen these types of games. And yeah, it will stick for maybe 2 to 5% of those people, maybe 10%. But when, when people say Gateway, I think they're really looking for that. What's the high probability that this would be classified as a higher chance of landing with that person. It has a higher chance of sticking with. So you're looking at bringing people from mass market into hobby and not necessarily from hobby into deeper hobby. Yeah. I mean, when you say gateway to me, that to me is like, and kind of like what, how Tim mentioned it at the the front end of this is because we're, I mean, not we, but most of us are, familiar with them and the Hasbro's Mattel's types of games. And we don't know we weren't familiar with the German style, European style. And now there's some really great stuff coming out of the Asian markets. Like uh, Japan has a really cool Tokyo game market, just different philosophies of game design than the traditional things that we're used to, that we have access to. And what would be something to showcase new design philosophies and that's what you get with like a Catan or a Carcassonne. Or I got, I got another favorite for you, Clay. This was at the ACD. How about Draftosaurus? There you go, baby. I mean, <laughs> that's awesome. You get to pull some dinosaurs out of a bag. Yeah. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> Who doesn't like that's, dinosaurs? That's how it was sold to the two of us. Because we were looking at it going, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. There's like nothing there. I don't. I don't get it. But because that, it, you know, it just wasn't marketed toward us or where we were within the hobby. But I'll tell you what, it's selling. So, and that's the idea. It's tending to sell to a, uh, you know, yeah. a, 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 a both younger You're picking your audience. and a younger gamer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I think, Jill, you're on to something really cool there. Yeah. It just kind of highlights where this hobby or market, I don't like to call it a hobby. That really, that's another discussion. Because to me, it sounds like it's just a, eh, it's a hobby. I don't really, eh, I just kind of dip my toes in it, whatever. But industry, industry is industry yeah, most better. People, it's not their job. No, I mean, yeah, but like, <laughs> I guess is golf a hobby? I mean, I, I don't like to say it's a hobby. I mean, I love playing golf and I guess it is a hobby. It's a lifestyle. Uh, yeah, there you go. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I sleep on the, the green. I don't know. Oh, no. I am golf. <laughs> Especially with board games, like not to go too deep in the hobby conversation because we're not talking about that, but like you're spending a ton of money on board games throughout the year. So calling it a hobby for like how much you're putting in and like time and everything, playing with friends, I feel like it's much more than that. And that, I don't know what the word is for it either because it's not, I don't think it's industry because that sounds so. I mean, yeah. Industrial. <laughs> it's impossible so, like, to not get into this conversation now, but uh me playing frisbee and spending five out of seven days a week, at least spending at least two hours doing something with frisbee and spending thousands of dollars a year just to go travel and play to get no money or anything out of it. Was that not like a hobby that I was participating in? I don't know. I think it's okay to call it a hobby and not justify like Money I spent. I don't think money spent has anything to do. I don't know. I'm with Jill. With I want it yeah. not being a I hobby. I want a new word because hobby to me sounds so like 
low priority. It's just like when you talk about your life, yeah, he's got this hobby. It's, you know, it's, you know, but like to me, it's like a big part of my life. It's not just a hobby. It's, it's more than that. Well, it's literally your job. No, so. it used to not be. And I absolutely right. was in love with it. But <laughs> what I was going to say before I jumped into this tangent, Jill, <laughs> when you were talking about the games and for people and read like understanding personality and pitching a game to them. That's kind of like hey, this is another tangent, but that's kind of like what conventions are kind of like. Cause you're getting to know people and want to showcase them the game that might be the best for mm-hmm. them. And there's some really nice gratification with that. It just showcases that whole thing you just mentioned showcases really well, how many different types of games are out there because not every game is going to be for any, everybody. But there is just so much out there for you to explore. And just it's just really wonderful that we have that much variety in the board game world where you want to go into like RPG dungeon crawlers. There's just so many games to look at. You want to do some economics. You, you want to convert some resources and, you know, have a li- your own little engine tableau builder. You want to be real interactive and cutthroat with people. There's just so many different ways to explore this this uh this whole world it's it's just awesome totally agree and that's exactly just to bring it around to what you were saying there clay the convention environment and a setting just feels like that whole world of what you just described just in a little microcosm you know it's all basically under one roof and you have all that all that gameplay diversity all in one location i mean you can just go walk from corner to corner and you're going to see all of that much you know the uh, variation that you just described so yeah and i'm really looking forward to it here in a couple months oh yeah it's coming back baby yeah (laughs) but the whole convention thing is like obviously i've never been to one but like i don't know if it's like a conversation when you are talking to people about their interests like do you ask what other type of games are you into you can't really ask that to somebody who's never been into uh, the hobby or like has played any other games besides like Candyland or like Uno or, or something. So getting to know them and what they like is really important because, for example, my my friends who I went to fashion school with, I would love to show them like Rococo or the even the amending one that I have got from kickstarter like they would absolutely love those i think because it's just part of their passion and so i would love to see how that plays out in a board game setting with people who have never seen something like that before is seeing something that they that is like another hobby for them (laughs) Uh um is brought into board games because it just would be so cool just to see how they're like oh you get to do this thing and you get to interact in this way with that i don't know theme is i think important when deciding for gateway games not to double down on that (laughs) it definitely seems like a good gateway game is one that has a really strong hook Mm -hmm. and we can use that hook that hook can be anything it can be i'm in fashion and so I like sewing and playing a game where I'm doing sewing is going to be immediately more interesting to me. Or it can be, I'm very used to making very complex decisions, so I want to play Gloomhaven. Or it can be, mm-hmm. I like trains, so I'm going to play cube rails. But like, I feel like there's also something, I don't know, it's hard to describe 
because like there are certain mechanics that I've found in games that I wouldn't have known I it was possible to like something because it didn't exist until I played the game. It's the mechanics, the mechanics mm-hmm. that's speaking to you in more than the theme, I would say. Well, I mean, yeah, sometimes. Like, but you don't know it until you, you've interacted with the mechanics that you could possibly like something. That's why we don't judge mm-hmm. books by their cover. Like, <laughs> right, but like, yeah. The King is Dead, that was like super cool, but like, what could I have done in real life that would have said that I would like something Tim, like that? we got the, people need to come to our booth. <laughs> we do this all the time at conventions. I see what you're saying, Eric, though, like, because you're not like into English history or anything, so you wouldn't pick that up because you you really like the game. Itself. Something has to be the the hook. If it didn't hook you, then it wasn't a gateway game because it didn't make you want to do anything else. That, that seems like kind of its own definition. No, I but like I agree with that. The hook and it, can be theme or can be mechanics. No, I I, I totally agree with with what you were just describing there, Eric. Uh, I mean, I could definitely see how setting or the theme could be part of that. I know that there are some themes that draw me in more so than, than others, uh, you know, completely uh, without regard for the mechanisms, but then also exactly what you're talking about. I mean, some of the, uh, the earlier games that folks tend to play within their, you know, in, in when they're new, to the uh, to the to the the gaming hobby and in, in in general, they they tend to be drawn to the mechanisms. Now again, the themes. I don't know. I'm I'm boy. I'm really wavering back and forth between what you're saying there. I've tended to focus on mechanisms, and then uh, you know mm-hmm. make sure that that wasn't um, wasn't too complex, and then get a theme that that at least wasn't wasn't bad, but definitely did probably didn't do it the other way and, and try to find a perfect theme and then not worry about the mechanisms because I've seen people that totally get over their head like uh, almost immediately and then they're completely turned off from from an entire you know the entire whatever we want to call it hobby industry activity um, whatever we want to call the amusement activity that is gaming but yeah I mean they'll just walk away because it just came off too complex <laughs> and they feel lost so that's, I guess, where just opening people's eyes to, hey, this is what a game looks like when you have some choices. And I know you probably aren't used to that, but um, we don't want to make it too hard. But uh, you want to go left or right. Isn't that cool? You get to decide left or right versus no, just, you know, you're on rails and you're just following mm-hmm. whatever, wherever the uh, wherever the tracks go. Let me see if I can get a couple more train puns in here. <laughs> I think you're definitely I mean the idea of agency being a part of the it is definitely huge seems to me yeah. like a marriage of well I guess it just has to be the right amount of agency for you like you said like I'm looking at yeah. Russian railroads right now and I mean it's just not a attractive theme but that game I remember when it came out everybody was going nuts for it and it's so rewarding. This is one of the things I've noticed with games that for newer players to the hobby. Oops. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, no. 
It's the word that can't like, be said. The, the rewarding gratification. <laughs> like if you're doing something, are you getting things? Are you getting some bonuses for doing things? Do you have something that's been built up that you said that because you've you spent maybe 60 minutes or two hours for the longer games building and playing like you want to have something to show for it. And I think look, with Russian railroads, I mean, you're getting bonuses all the time. You pass during the game on your turn, you get a bonus and it's just that, that, that's kind of like what they get. I mean, your score is like in the three hundreds and that was a game that came out and everybody was like, wow, you got in the three hundreds on this game. There's so many variables that that are at play, but I, I think we're all hitting hitting it on the head pretty good here. So yeah, I got it. I think games that elicit your dopamine feedback response and make you crave more dopamine <laughs> are the ones that are the gateway. Games. Yep. Oh my goodness! I get flashy, Mr. flashy things pop here. up. I get points, and yeah, let's get more yeah. points. Exactly. You need your microdose. Yeah. Um, Need your microdose from the latest spell. Maybe maybe aliens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Eric and I were just kind of talking about this before we hopped on, but I know you kind of want to talk about, you know, tools specifically and like how I was talking about design empathy and UX, UI design, why that's important. So do you want to touch on that? Yeah, I mean, this was just sort of bridging, like, what is the gateway to engaging new gamers? But what I was saying is that I think good design good and that could be theme or it could be art is a bridge because it removes i don't want to say a barrier to entry but a risk into playing the game so if i'm playing a really beautiful game of card art and no matter what happens i got to look at a bunch of cool new cards if i hated the mechanics that could have been worse than if i hated the art and design as well if i had if i struggled to read the cards because it was visually cluttered or something then it's going to be harder for me to buy into what the mechanics are so maybe this is just for me but i think for a lot of new gamers if there's the theme and or art is good you've mitigated some of the risk and putting a brand new game on the table. I agree with that. And I think yeah. you're that's Kickstarter right there around. though. Yep. <laughs> it, well, and, and mm-hmm. it, specifically with Ian O'Toole, you're, you're flirting around and maybe this, this dovetails into what you were talking about, Julian, as well with the UI UX. I want to hear a little bit about that here in a sec, but the, the phrase I, I tend to, I tend to hear in gaming is graphic design. And it's basically how, you know, how are you integrating the rules, the mechanisms and the art all onto the board or onto the components to basically, how do you make it? So you, you don't have to pick up the rule book. You don't have to pick up the rule book because it's all there and it's either all there in, um, it's the three pillars points or Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or Uh, what's that? What are the three pillars? The three pillars of great product. Yeah. Artwork, like Eric's saying, oh, artwork God. for sure. Uh-huh. Great <laughs> yep. game design. I mean, it's got to have a solid game design. And then the third most important, which gets left out a lot, is rules. Are the rules s- smooth enough? Like, does everybody understand them? Are they able to navigate the waters? You know, tool takes it a step further and dumps everything at you on the game board, so you don't have to reference that rule book. There's others that do that as well, but he's notorious for it. Yeah. So, I mean, that that was the point that I was bringing up. 
when I look at certain games and then I look at like ride the rails and I'm like, wow, this is everything pops off the board. I can really tell what's going on just by looking at it. And he seems to be one of the, maybe he's not the only person that focuses on it, but it's the next step of graphic design that he's good at executing, which is what Jillian mentioned, UX and UI, which for people that don't know is user experience and user interface design. So he's like making it easier for you to interface with what you're doing, which is what, yeah, makes it good, makes him good, especially. How I was thinking about it is the graphic design probably would link up pretty closely with the, the user interface side. Mm. How would UX, what would, what would that look like in, in gaming? I'm just trying to better understand that. Is that the interaction of, of players? Is that the interaction of the player players with the, with the components? Maybe I'm not the most qualified person to talk about this because I didn't go to design school, but I do, <laughs> I've talked to my friends about it, right? And he's like, oh, I do user experience. A lot of his experience is working with like websites and experience that way. And so it's more like, am I getting confused by looking at this game? It's designing the experience people have when they're using your product. So in this case, you know, tool puts the rules on the board so that you don't have to go pick up a rule uh, pick a rule book up out of the box. It's not, and and mm-hmm. I think uh, Ray Nature and Ride the Rails maybe do this experience well as well. Of the like pieces are bright colors, they stand out. They have different Ray Nature specifically different sizes, so you can very easily easily parse the information, parse the information mm-hmm. very easily. And that, so that's not just the graphic design, but it's also like the experience. They've designed that mm-hmm. so your experience is better. User experiences, to me, like having a product. God, I'm with, how many times am I going to say designing with empathy during this? But like it is designing with empathy um, where I like to talk with empathy, Jill. Looking, it's a lovely day outside. <laughs> <laughs> Does this weather make you feel safe? I took one. I took one class and I know what empathy. Sunny. Yeah, <laughs> and that that's what it is. Like you are surveying like different people. So like, for example, like we, in our class, we had to make a device for um, glaucoma patients. And I don't really remember anymore, but we had to go and survey and like, see how it is, how it works for them and like their feedback and everything for it. I don't even remember what we made. Um, but my favorite part about that was surveying them because like it really opened up a lot of insights that I didn't know about. And so user experience is designing with that. And so for example, like in board games specifically, like colorblindness is like a huge thing. And so making sure that games are accessible to everybody in that way is it should be in a gateway game, in my opinion. Like it it needs to like cater to everybody in that way where inclusivity i guess is kind of the word that i'm looking for where it can be something for everybody and everybody has a good experience no matter whether you're interacting with components cards um rule book um it should just be easy for people to understand yeah i agree yep i gotcha yeah i went on like nine monologues so i apologize (laughs) no you you got some really like 
I mean, you're you're kind of. I'm not really good at articulating thoughts most of the time, and like you, you got some like that's that's kind of hitting the nail on the head. I, I think you did a heck of a job, and that's really kind of what gateway games are. What you exactly just described, and yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not going to reiterate it, but yeah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, we've solved the code. <laughs> so what, what is the definition of gateway games? And everyone, Eric, like this it's podcast, empathy, dude. All Come on, games. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm no, just I'm kidding. saying we have to. We have to yeah, say it so out loud. Designing with empathy. You just have to say it out loud. <laughs> Jill took one class one time and is now an expert on empathy. Uh, did you know that I'll, I'll play the game all right my takeaway is it's getting to know the player beforehand and just kind of catering the game to them that you from your experience would best fit there because you gotta you gotta be a little selfless there and really pick the game for them and you have to use the knowledge that you have to, to pick that game i mean if, if that's if, if that's your role in this whole thing but that's kind of what i took away from it no, i'd agree I am taking what uh, what I came to the conversation, which is still on the uh, the the simplicity of um, lack of complexity plus a lighter weight game, but then also dialing it in to uh, having a uh, having a that user interface and graphic design that's going to be more accessible for a greater number of people. So again, that that idea of if you, you you're basically rolling the rolling the dice every time you you put a game in front of someone new to uh, new to gaming, and the idea is you wanna um, you wanna you wanna you wanna hook them more often than you don't. So uh, I, I guess that's that that that's how I'm how, how I'm uh, mm-hmm. uh, lassoing it together. I'd love to cap it off if I can with a story. Um, Do it. So my brother uh, Drew. I love my family. Um, so it, like when I get excited about something like a hobby, like board games, it's not a hobby, but it's a hobby. Um, <laughs> I want to, I want to have them live through that same excitement because I, in my brain, I'm like, well, if they play this game, they're going to feel the exact same way. I didn't have the same highs and lows exactly to a T, which is never the case. <laughs> so I fell into board gaming uh, back again and, all that stuff. And I was like, I need to, I, I just need to get out there and show it to other people. And got my brother drew who loves like PlayStation and playing video games all the time. And that's his thing. And I was like, well, maybe he can jump into the analog sphere. And my biggest thing was to push Catan on him. Cause that was the first game I tried. And to me, that was like the gateway game of all gateway games, because I'm used to monopoly rolling dice moving and that's it but this is like opposite where you can you have all these different strategies to pursue and does not click with him he just hates the game it's too long it's just there's not a lot going on and he just does not like the game come to find out i keep like trying a couple different games with them i feel bad for doing this because i i played dominant species with them one time and it oh, just geez. was, yeah, he, he dug it for like a couple turns, but it just, it was way too long. This is like, this is the problem with new being a new gamer is like, you're so excited. You're just like, everything is awesome. Let's throw it all on the table yep. and new rules every day. And like, you never play the same game over and over again. And, but that's another point, yeah. but I threw him a power grid and 
all this stuff. And then one time I were at his house and I brought over cockroach poker and oh my God, that stuck, that just nailed him. He just, it just was the perfect fit. And that that's like his favorite game that we bring over. And he just, he, he'll ask for it all the time. Like when we're, when we're with the family, like you guys want to play some cockroach poker or something. And it's just really kind of highlighting coming full circle here is, is it really highlighting what you exactly said, Jill is the empathy part where you're just, what, what, what's, what's interesting to you. And it's the lighter, the quicker games that are fast, more, more interactive. There's like zero rules for cockroach poker. I mean, it's just, it's, it's more about the fun for him. I, I wish I knew this information back then when I first introduced him to the game and fell in love with this board gaming scene, you know, cause now he's like, I don't want to try any of those games because he knows that they're overly complex. I think if we, if I would have started off with a lighter game like Cockroach Poker or High Society or something that, you know, it maybe would have led to something else. But yeah, that's really kind of highlighting what you said, Jill. Yeah, I'm surprised you played Dominant Species with Drew. Yeah. <laughs> Considering he is very much like our grandpa on our dad's side and has always been into bidding. <laughs> I'm yeah. surprised you bought that one out. Yeah, but I mean, he, he's a, he's a trooper. I mean, he, he'll, he'll be like, yeah, I'll try it with you just to, you know, he's, he's a really good brother and just wants to <laughs> just be there for you whenever. So really appreciate it. Thanks, Drew, for uh, dealing with me all these years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks. And I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'll so, never hear the end of it. Too. I, I do want to introduce him to Russian roulette. The world championship one, but I just, I think it's going to be too complex. Oh. There's too many phases and stuff, but if he got it down, I know he would love it. I just think it's just too much, too much going on. Yeah. You just have to like make it True. an act. I was kind of yeah. Russian roulette. You're like, okay, now we're, yeah. Whatever. If you like lead people on that's the like adventure, a, they, it's way easier to not. Eric, that's like a second, like part two of this would be like pitching the games. As, as a whole thing because like you could you could find the perfect game but you screw up the pitch and teach and everything you just buried yourself because i've got it how to be a board game cafe barista there you go, man. 101 <laughs> ohio state university <laughs> class let's do it all right <laughs> <laughs> i'll take it and become an expert on it within a day don't worry but yeah that i feel like this was a good conversation I have been so excited to talk about all of this because this has all been formulated. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad we can talk about it. You know, just it's, it's a fun topic. I love it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So first question we have here. Also, a question from our Discord uh, from Conquer1989. The question is After Bus, would you consider doing another partnership with Splatter? I'm going to guess that's to me. So, Clay, that's all you. 110% you. Clay, I think I'll handle this one. Roll up these sleeves, boys (laughs) and girls. So, yeah, I I would love to do another splatter, but man, the pressure's so high when you're doing it. I remember 
doing bus and we had released some teaser images of the game board. And I think even during the entire pre-order campaign, the game board was the old game board, not the new one on the website. And people were, it just, you know, they're passionate about the original game. They're passionate about the original graphics and everything. And the, the players that have, have played those games and, you know, change with human nature is very difficult. Uh, there's no way around it. And so the standards are incredibly high. I still feel like we knocked bus out of the park and just the whole presentation and every, I, I actually played it a couple of weeks ago and it was such a great experience and just everything flows so well with that game. But yeah, long story short, I would do it. I would really want to carve out some serious time to make sure we can step up to those standards that are going to be set for us out of the gate and make sure that we do the game justice because the splatter team is, is pretty damn good. You know, their, their designs are, are solid. I don't have anything in in the pipeline, just let you know. (laughs) So (laughs) no, it's a great answer. I mean, that's one of the, uh, I mean, the, the, the gameplay, the mechanisms of basically any, anything in their line, is it, it, it's so different and kind of in a league of its own and the the couple things you know the couple parts of gameplay that that they tend to m- maybe not be great at tend to be the things that that capstone have happen to be capstone strengths and that happens to be you know a, what we were talking about the the uh, graphic design components uh, making things clear. So uh, yeah, it seems to be a match made in heaven, but boy I, I can totally understand trying to uh trying to take one of those titles and make it into into you know something that meets what they're looking for but th- that also meets the uh the expectations that we've set in the past as all as well. Yeah. All right, let's move on to this next question um from our favorite producer. Yeah. Is that absolutely. Our producer? <laughs> that is our executive producer Alex. <laughs> describe your dream game day slash night and this is a two-in-one because he asked two questions um what are your favorite pizza toppings so eric start us off with pizza toppings because oh, i know you're toppings. passionate about those yeah <laughs> there's only one correct answer <laughs> oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just kidding i mean for me personally things i can eat there are really good pizza toppings that I don't eat anymore. Like what most people what? eat probably. Like cheese? Green olives is the answer. Yeah, pepperoni, you know? Oh. Like I don't eat that. Or like the better version of peppers, pepperoni, which is called hot soppressata. Man, you Columbus guys are too fancy for something me. That- I don't even know what that is. I was going to say. You- <laughs> You forget that he worked at Whole Foods and did pizza It was my there. job to make artisan <laughs> pizzas for a while. Whole Foods has some killer pizza. Built a fire every morning. <laughs> there isn't a conversation that we have about food or drink that with Eric that doesn't drive me to Google. <laughs> so I'm, I'm at Google trying to figure out when the heck he was just talking about. What is it? Hot what? Soprasada. It's an Italian cured sausage. Got it. It's like pepperoni. But it bougier, I'd say. Pepperoni is more of like an Italian American. No. Soprasada is probably real Italy. 
bougie. Pepperoni's probably I gotcha. cheaper. Well, definitely, definitely cheaper. Yeah, Whole Foods putting bougie things I know, on pizza. I know you're shocked. Sh- I know you're shocked. Yeah, twenty five dollars for a couple sticks on chain pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hot soprasada. Uh, chain pizza. I'm talking simple pizza. It, green olives or banana peppers. The the biggest tragedy is that. I don't think you can have both on the same pizza. <laughs> Tragedy. <laughs> you have banana peppers and green yeah. olives? Not together. Hmm. I know that we have eaten banana peppers and green olives and vegan sausage all on one pizza before. Yeah, and it's so too much. It doesn't work. I detected a lot. It doesn't work. That's what I'm saying. It's a tragedy. <laughs> the universe punishes us by not allowing us to those flavors to mesh whatever i enjoyed it oh jillian what are your favorite pizza toppings okay we had really great pizza last night we helped a friend we didn't help him move we just showed up after they moved they he moved into a condo recently um and we hung out at his place afterwards had a pizza with onions jalapenos in pineapple last night it was so good i would never think of that combination like i always thought pineapples always had to be with ham or something for the hawaiian pizza but i really enjoyed this i love spicy and sweet and if you guys talk crap about pineapples on pizza we're not (laughs) friends i love pineapple on pizza (laughs) it is like the most amazing component you can add to a pizza we're all good here then (laughs) i could have the bread the sauce and just pineapples on there and i would be in heaven so good (laughs) that's true salt fat acid Mm. heat ever see that show oh i thought you're about to go into like some kind of busta rhymes thing or read the book (laughs) i don't know what that is (laughs) (laughs) all right jillian pizza food style freestyle go food style salt fat acid heat freestyle go (laughs) i'm not about to embarrass myself on coward. live coward. podcast. I'm not a coward. I'm not going to embarrass instead. myself. Balls back in Eric's court. a white girl no, like no, me no, no, can no. rap? No. no. Come on, Whole Foods. No, no. Let's go. <laughs> it doesn't go like this. <laughs> Come on, Whole Foods. <laughs> Whole Foods rap. Freestyle, go. I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm taking a look and I typed onions, comma, jalapeno, and up popped and pineapple pizza. Good. So apparently this is a thing. I'd never heard of that. All kinds of pictures out there. I've I've never had it. I, I've had pineapple on pizza it. once. It was pineapple on ham and it was uh it was a pizza. Yeah, not not definitely not my not my favorite. Well that's because there was ham on it. You gotta get the ham out of there. Gotta get the ham out. That's what the problem was. Yeah, get put the jalapenos in, you got spicy and sweet. All right. Might have to try it. Unless it's it. spicy ham, a.k.a. hot soprasada. <laughs> For $20 a pound. You forgot that part. Okay, the suspense is killing me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's going on, Clay? The suspense is killing me. I need to know what's going on with Clay. Yeah, we got to learn something about Clay. Well, I might be joining Team Eric on this. I'm Team Eric and Jill here on this. I used to like meat on pizza. I've become a little bit of a foodie, especially with my meat chicken poultry fish like i'll get it from a local farm 
except for the fish because I had to get that at Costco because Costco is awesome. But we, um, <laughs> the middle of the country, we have started buying like half cows from a local farm who sells to like some like little boutique restaurants and stuff, and it's all like raised the, the cows raised there and everything. And it's it's awesome, and oh my gosh, the quality is so good, and it doesn't leave you feeling gross or like bloated or any kind of thing like that. And we'll go to like a restaurant locally, get pizza, whatever one of the joints are around here. And Fratelli's is good. Dewey's La Rosa's is okay. Mellow mushroom. And man, after getting like pepperoni or any kind of like Hawaiian style pizza, it's just the meat is just so, I I don't know if it's the MSG or whatever type of wherever they're getting the meat from it's just not the greatest and it just really slows my system down and i can feel like just being tired immediately afterwards so long story short i've gone to like one of my favorites is mellow mushroom has this cosmic karma pizza and it's a vegetarian style dish and it's um it's it's i I can't remember what's i think it's got pesto Mm -hmm. on it oh yeah tomatoes maybe mozzarella i can't remember all the stuff that's on it but it, it's just a, a, a lot of nice vegetables on there and some cheese and i could eat the whole thing and you know i'm good to go like I, i'm not like I, a truck didn't hit mm-hmm. me you know and that's kind of where i'm at if it's a pizza man i'm, I'm not going to get any kind of meat on it it's going to be vegetarian and the mellow mushroom cosmic karma is my favorite all right gotta turn you veggie now Somehow you're ordering. No, 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 no. I had a ribeye last night. It was a whole pound and it was so good. Whole pound? (laughs) Well, take me back to the days when beef didn't exist in this, on this continent. (laughs) Jesus. I mean, it was pretty much, wasn't it here the whole time? (gasps) No. No? Beef, pigs, and chicken. You ever had deer meat? No. Yeah. It's really good. Venison. That's good stuff. Yeah. Deer is awesome. Sorry. I don't want to talk about that because I know I don't want to whatever. You're going to make all but. us vegetarians mad. <laughs> don't you ever talk about the gang half cow in front of me again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> really quick. Let's do a speed round of uh, the first half of this question. Describe your dream game day night. Clay. You were just talking. Let's go. Just hanging out with you guys. Somebody's house. Justin's place sounds cool up in Dublin where you go downstairs and it's got a couple bars on the street. You can walk to and just hang out a little bit for a break. That sounds ideal to me where you can just food choices are right there. Good city life. Just hanging out with some friends, playing some games all day. Yeehaw. Eric, you're up. Uh, Okay. I said good coffee. Nice. Always has to start, which again, we did have at Justin's place. Shout out one line in Columbus. <laughs> I guess I don't care really what happens during the day, but as long as we have a bunch of stories to tell about the games we played, it was a great night. There you go. Nice. Jillian. Tim. Oh, me? All right. Uh, so for, for, for me, I was actually looking at, uh, I, I'd, I'd like to spread it out over a couple of days. So a few days in duration, think like a convention setting. Uh, food and snacks for me, endless Topo Chico and a little bit of Chipotle on the side. It's basically what we ended up having uh, last weekend. And then um, from a place standpoint, I, I had uh, either Origins or Capstone Warehouse. And I had a little hint, hint there, Clay. 
Capstone Warehouse. Oh, campaigns. no. <laughs> <laughs> Soon. 2022, maybe. Jillian, how about you? This past weekend, or the, it wasn't this past weekend, two weeks ago, it was like perfect. I feel like the food that we had was great. Tim mentioned endless Topo Chico's. I think we had 24 there, so had a lot of Topo Chico's. Had a lot of freak Topo's with the non-alcoholic syrup because Tim's daughters were there and we wanted to be friendly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't know, just game-wise, I feel like a co-op game or like a high strategy game and some easier games sprinkled throughout kind of like lighten the mood is perfect. And Chipotle is not that bad, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> How about a place? Just somebody's house. I think I can't imagine doing it anywhere else really. Yeah. It's just the nice comfort of the home. Oh no. And I get that. We'll see what it was. We'll see what it's like when the convention season rolls around. Yeah. That's always a good time. Yeah. Hotel. Ready, Tim? Tim already went. Oh, geez, I'm old. You said Topo Chico. <laughs> you are. It must. Uh, the clock must have struck struck ten. I don't know if he said. Did he? he did he say a, de- uh, a place though? I don't think he. Yeah, he, he did. Said, he uh, said he, origins he did or Oh, he did. He said the hint. Hint. Gosh, damn. Captain Warehouse. Sorry, I've been up <laughs> early today. I'm telling you. Yeah. The, uh, okay. the clock. The yeah. clock struck ten. How to get ready for that pipeline announcement? <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's dad, bo- dad mode. So, <laughs> dad mode. <laughs> so, with that, we'll bring this episode to a close. I uh, use the hashtag Ask Capstone if you want us to answer any of your hot questions. This could range from industry questions to game preferences, all the way to personal day-to-day questions. Join our Discord, ask questions there as well on the Ask Capstone channel. Make sure to jump in on our bi-weekly online game nights on Discord. These are scheduled for the first and third Tuesdays of the month. And next time, uh, join us when we'll discuss uh, number one, which genre or game introduced each of us to the board gaming hobby. And number two, uh, naming a genre that we would like to try in the future. So with that, uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeehaw. Hey, that was fun, guys. Really enjoyed that. That was, yeah. that was good. That was a fun topic. Yeah, it was really yeah. eye-opening for me. Yeah, me too. I always like to hear different perspectives, yeah. and that one was one that uh, you two really, really came to the table and had some really good, really good ideas and concepts. Starting with you, starting with the definition, and then going all the way through uh, explaining the UX UI stuff. I'd heard that in passing, never really, you know, plugged it into this. What are we calling it? We calling it a hobby? What are we calling it? I'm going to thesaurus.com. What we do. You're going to go to thesaurus.com. Did you really? And you're going to say it, and I, everyone's going to say, shut up. I already it's a hobby. did. Absolutely, I, I did. Oh, hmm. there it is. It's called amusement. Amusement was the number, was yeah. the number one, yeah. I mean, it's alphabetical. That makes it, that, the board game that avocation. That makes it sound even... There you go. That, that sounds... Yeah, no. <laughs> Hold on a sec. Well, you can't be the lifestyle, because that already implies something else. What does it imply? <laughs> the lifestyle? Yeah.
I'm not going to explain this to you. You'll have to ask your dad. <laughs>